Welcome to Project Upgrade, the podcast that helps you upgrade the future you by helping you conquer all things lifestyle, health and fitness, mindset, career, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Samantha, so listen up as it's time to upgrade. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Project Upgrade. For today's episode, I'm really excited to have Beck Chambers on the show today. For those of you who don't know who Beck Chambers is, she is the no BS queen of Instagram, basically. Beck is a personal trainer who uses her social media to educate her followers about correct technique and all things fitness, but also to inspire others to pick up weights and not be scared to get the bulky look. And Beck also goes into her journey on how she became a PT and also how she overcame her personal battles when it came to hitting the gym floor and lifting weights for the first time. We also dive into how to see the difference between absolute BS that we might see on social media when it comes to technique, form, workouts, etc. versus actual evidence-based stuff. I'm sure you guys will love this chat as much as I did. If you haven't though already, make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's just at Project Upgrade Podcast on Instagram or you can follow myself, which is just underscore Samantha Wicks on Instagram. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All good. So I ask all my guests this, um, but how are you currently upgrading? Oh gosh, I actually thought about this. I'm not. I'm. I'm hoping that I actually um, got the definition on what you're asking me correct. I, I'm upgrading. I guess you know because of isolation at the moment. It was a bit of, and I think everyone was experiencing this, but because everything happened so quickly, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I was watching every press conference that Oh yes, <laughs> did, because every time you did one, it was like something new was being introduced. And um, obviously I spent a lot of time working face to face with clients in the gym and the gym got closed. So it just felt like that first like seven to 10 days of isolation was like, I just felt like I was flying from the seat of my pants and I'm sure a lot of people felt that way. So I think that I've done a really good job now to find some routine, done a really good job to get probably 90% of my clients into at home training during the week one, when I was getting everyone's program done and kind of like rushing to do that, I look back and everything was so basic. And now four weeks later, I feel like I'm a bit of a pro at like coming up. With <laughs> I think the way I'm operating is just I'm becoming so used to being at home and, and also training in our gym, which is our garage. Yep. Um, <laughs> programming has really gone up a notch and it's it's cool. Like in a way, I mean, it's, it's easy for me to say it's cool because I'm so privileged with what I have access to at home um, and, and just in life in general. But yeah, it kind of keeps you on your feet. And I guess I, I the way I program is so barbell based. It's like, I almost overuse barbell exercises where there's actually <laughs> some opportunity for me to be creative. I just completely overlook it on a normal day. So yeah, I think that's probably the best way I'm upgrading. I love it. No, that was definitely a big change for me as well. Cause yeah, working in a gym and then going straight to uh, at home programs. Uh, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, very yeah. different. So I feel you with that. Definitely. <laughs> there's heaps of good ways to go about it. Like I think week one, I was like, Oh, if everyone can just, just get what they can done. And now I'm like, no way you can make gains. You should be making gains if you want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey because you are a very interesting person, Beck. So I'm sure the <laughs> listeners would love to know more about you. So off you go. 
Okay, so I always find this question really difficult because it's like, where do I start? When I was three years old, but no, I won't start then. Um, so <laughs> I originally set out um, right out of school thinking that I was going to be, I think I thought I was going to be an author. Like, I think I kind of thought I was going to like write a book. Um, oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, all through school, all through primary school, high school, I always thought I was going to be a writer. English was like my favourite subject and I was that person that did like extension two and had to get to school at like six in the morning to do an extra class. And I think, I'm not sure when reality hit me that I wasn't going to make any money as an author. Um, but <laughs> at some point I decided that I should go to uni and do media and communications because... I thought being a journalist was going to be really fun, yeah. um, which it was. And I ended up scoring a really cool job and working at Women's Fitness Magazine in, in Sydney. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I did some other jobs before that, like some good internships. And I scored a couple of good roles that gave me like at least enough of a CV to end up getting that uh, position with Women's Fitness. And then I was in that job for about two years and it was really cool but I think in my mind I kind of thought it was going to be like the devil wears Prada where like <laughs> you went into the office every day and like everything was bougie and um yeah I, I I that was not what it was basically but I really enjoyed writing for them and at some point I think what I realized is I just really didn't want to work a nine to five which um sounds pretty privileged but going into an office every day was really killing me and I loved the work I was doing, but I just really hated sitting in front of a computer for so much of my day. Mm. Um, I just, yeah, I didn't enjoy being inside. I, I honestly felt like there was probably a better way of going about what we were doing. Uh, I mean, obviously the whole team needed to be together sometimes, but I actually found that like having a more dynamic working atmosphere or environment was what was conducive to me actually doing better work. Um, and the opportunity to do my certificate for in fitness came about. Um, actually, we won a competition, Nick and I. Oh, okay. Well, actually, actually, Nick, I should say, won a competition. But <laughs> I ended up being able to do the cert for because he'd already done it. And so because that we'd won it, I was just thought, well, yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. And I did it part time. And I just decided that although I really loved writing, it wasn't the atmosphere I wanted to be writing in. And I actually wanted to get more into fitness obviously fitness has always been a big part of my life and yeah I ended up going into a part-time position in a media company uh thinking that I could also PT on the side and I did that for a while and then I just decided that I wanted to put all my all my energy into coaching so I did that and then yeah two years later we opened our own gym and now I am I'm here so <laughs> been good like I took some risks along the way but you know how they say like you'll be, I think they say you'll be in five different careers during your life that's what they expect. yeah so I've already kind of done two I think awesome. maybe good start <laughs> I'm good I'm good I'm probably going to be one of those people that like brings the average up love it awesome no that's really interesting though I had no idea that you used to do writing that's crazy yeah do you yeah. still do writing on the side or uh, yeah, I do a lot of writing for myself. Um, I've done some shadow writing for different people in the fitness industry where uh, I kind of like write on behalf of them. And you sign like a disclosure agreement so that you never tell anyone that you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, I, I've done a, a varied amount of writing, a lot that I really have not enjoyed at all. I think, <laughs> like, when you really enjoy creative writing and when you've done a lot of writing as a hobby, you know, like I have like books and books filled with just stuff I put together and I really enjoy writing a narrative. Um, I think once you make that your job, so when you start writing, you know, on behalf of companies or you start writing media releases or, you know, all of the above, it can really, well, for me at least, it can really wring a lot of the um, passion out of it for you mm. because it's less about, you know, expressing yourself and using amazing language and, I don't know, exploring your imagination just becomes like really bland. So I did find over time and not so much at women's fitness at all, because that was pretty cool. Um, but in other jobs where I've written on behalf of other people, my writing becomes something I don't enjoy reading. Um, so I think that was a big, a big decision for me to get out of it. Cause I just wanted what I wrote and words to still be something I was passionate about. <laughs> No, I totally agree. I used to be in the film industry and I used to be all about like filming stuff, editing stuff. Like I had all these awesome gigs and then, yeah, the same thing. I just like put all of my passion into my work and then suddenly work just became this thing that I didn't want to do. And yeah, no, I a hundred percent relate to that. It's crazy how that happens. But yeah. Cool. Not about you either. That's awesome. How long ago? Yeah. Um, how long ago was that? God. You know, when you like don't know where you are in the years, but like, you know, when it happened around. <laughs> yeah, I think it happened about maybe three years ago. I probably left the industry. Um, oh. But yeah, I went to uni for it and scored all these gigs. And then I was like, yeah, now nah, stuff this, I'm out. <laughs> Let's get into some questions. So you are very into your strength training. Have you always been? If not, what did you do beforehand? And how did this all happen? Um... No, I haven't always been into strength training at all. Um, I think I really got into powerlifting during 2015, I think. But um, basically what ended up happening was I was kind of training like a bodybuilder and like a bodybuilder, I say, because I never got on stage and I was never actually prepping or anything for bodybuilding. Um, but I did train like one and I had a PT at the time who was amazing. And I'm, I've had a lot of PTs over the years, actually. And I, if I string them all together, all of them taught me something really important. And what Patrice, that the coach taught me at the time was the importance of compound movements. And it was something that I hadn't done a lot of. I hadn't squatted much. I deadlifted quite a lot because I was good at it. And somebody had taught me how to do that. And I was quite strong at deadlifting. So it was something I did a lot of, but seldom would I squat. Um, and I also felt like, yeah, squatting was super awkward when I first started, which makes sense now because I'm like the tallest person in the world. Um, and I never benched at all. Like I would avoid the bench like the plague because in my mind, I thought as soon as you bench, you start to look like a guy, which is just, you know, juvenile Beck mindset. Um, yeah. But he introduced me to all three of those lifts and what I started to realise, because people told me, um, and I worked at the gym that I was training at behind reception, um, people would always come up to me and, and say like, whoa, you're really strong. I didn't, like, is that 50 kilos? And I'd be like, yeah, I guess. And then, you know, I could deadlift like 120, I think, um, and, you know, rep out 100 for lots of reps. And it meant nothing to me at the time. I really didn't care what was on the bar because I didn't know what I was doing. But I think that like repetition of people around me telling me that what I was doing was impressive 
kind of boosted my ego in a way. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure who first introduced me to powerlifting, but uh, Lyndall Vile is an amazing Australian powerlifter. And she was certainly the first person I can remember looking at on social media and just thinking, holy cow, this girl is so strong. <laughs> I basically saw her, decided I wanted to be exactly like her and, and worked out who coached her. And I went to her coach and I asked him if he would coach me too. Um, because the PT I had at the time was brilliant, but he didn't know much about powerlifting. So yeah, I worked with that guy and he was great. And he introduced me to what powerlifting is. And then it just kind of went from there. And then I did my first comp, I think probably two years later. Um, and if I could change anything about that, it would have been just to do a comp way earlier, which is what I try to do with the people I coach now. So anytime <laughs> there's like, even if there's like the smallest interest in powerlifting, the first thing that I would tell that person is just to do it straight away because the reason I didn't was because I thought that you had to like reach some kind of level before you started. Um, and I just, now I look back on that. I think that's so counterintuitive because I almost liken it to like, if you're passionate about playing soccer, then you go play soccer, but you wouldn't be like, Oh, well, I really love soccer, but I'm just not that good at it at the moment. So I'm just going to kick around yes. in my backyard and wait four years before I go play. Like you just, you just go play and you'd get better as you went along. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's how I got into it. Prior to this, I did a whole lot of weird training stuff. Like I say <laughs> weird, it wouldn't be weird if other people were liking it and enjoying it, but I just did the most random stuff. Like I ran a half marathon because I was obsessed with cardio. I used to do like two to three spin classes a day when I was really, yeah, really unhealthy. Oh my God. So it was like, I had like an addiction to group fitness classes because they especially spin class because it was in a dark room and I was just so unbelievably self-conscious it was great because I just felt like no one could see me and I could just go in no one would look at me I could train I was way too like couldn't even be out on the gym floor um by myself back then and yeah I think it was just kind of like teen slash early 20s angst but I've done it all kettlebell training I was heavily into kettlebells I joined a CrossFit box for a while um, and CrossFit honestly would have killed me because I'm way too competitive and I just had no idea how to not go 100% and I had so many injuries. Um, yeah, I can't, I, I'm, I'm in team sport. I've done it all, but yeah, powerlifting is the one that really appeals to me. I, I love it and I'm a big advocate for getting more people into it, obviously. <laughs> love it no, that's awesome how did you find the confidence at first to even step foot on a gym floor because that is a massive leap of you know faith to just be like yeah I want to go try some strength training and all that stuff like how did you even find the confidence to do that yeah so like I said it, it used to just be group fitness classes and spin class was good but also you know, I'd do like your body pump or your body attack. I'd kind of do what was ever, whatever was on the timetable, to be honest. Um, but the only time I would go out on the gym floor is if I was with my PT. And I, like I mentioned, I had a few over the years and all of them taught me something. But uh, my first PT at St. Leonard's Fitness First uh, was a guy whose name was Gus. And um, he would train me, I think, twice a week. 
for some kind of extremely affordable price looking back on it and that those were the only times I'd be in the gym for because I felt like I could just focus on him I didn't really have to look in the mirror which was like another thing of mine like I hated looking at myself in the mirror god I sound like a sad chick but I really was a sad chick um and because he was telling me what to do I never had to second guess myself and that was a big worry of mine being out there and doing an exercise wrong heaven forbid and somebody looking at me and being like oh what is that idiot doing and like it's sad but I think I saw those social media pages like gym fails or something and I just thought like I'm going to end up on one of those. (laughs) I just never had the confidence to do things the right way. And therefore I would never go on the gym floor without, without Gus by my side. And then over time, I think I just got really confident in the routines he was giving me. Um, And we would kind of do the same things in a good way. Like we would, we'd stick to the same kind of machines, good exercises that made sense for me at the time. And so I just got confident doing those specific routines. And so over time, I remember, you know, I'd want to train and I would have to message him and be like, are you available? And he'd be like, okay. So I'd do an extra session just to have him there. And then it got to the point where he would be like, oh, I'm going to be in the gym around these times. Why don't you just come in? I'll be training at the same time. And then he'd be there and it just kind of weaned off like that. But I think what ended up just, it was just little steps over time, you know, like I didn't go from like in my dark spin room straight to like, doing a powerlifting workout it was like a pt helped me and then a pt showed me how to use things and like over time i just got more confident in what i was doing and eventually i also realized that nobody at the gym is looking at you unless unless you look really hot (laughs) (laughs) like i try and think about the people that i would like actually look at in the gym you know about and they would only I mean, I might look at heaps of people, but it's never because I'm looking at them being like, what are they doing? You know, or it's like, I guess like there's been times where I might look at somebody and think, oh, I actually think they might injure themselves. Even now, um, like when I, I work with a new client, in fact, like I can think of one in particular who came to me and, and really had never set foot on a gym floor um, other than, you know, to do ab workouts kind of thing like never had she been on a weight floor and it's like initially you have all this anxiety around being there because you have no idea what you're doing you don't know what any of the equipment does Mm. but like I think the idea that anybody around you is like focusing on what you're doing like what you might be doing incorrectly is is quite flawed because I think there's a lot of people in the gym who are kind of like I'm just doing what I know. I'll still go into a gym now and there'll be some new contraption in like one of those big commercial gyms. And I look at it and think, oh, there's no way I'm using that. I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> yes, same, same here. I'm just like, what the hell? I don't want to injure myself. <laughs> so what is the biggest piece of advice to listeners out there who may want to begin just going to gym in general or more strength training stuff, um, but are too nervous to like step into the gym? Uh, I'd say that my biggest piece of advice would be, and I, I am aware that this is difficult, but it's difficult for some because you might not have access to it, but getting a coach or a PT to start with, even if you're just really upfront with that personal trainer and say, you know what I need? I need three sessions. I need you to show me what I need to know in here so that I can do my own sessions comfortably these days I really do think it's so easy to just search for what you want there's so many free workouts out there and I think following a plan 
um, not so much program hopping, but following a plan when you go into a gym is the way to go. Like, even if it's just something you wrote down yourself, you know, in your notes section on your phone, provided you're going in and you know that you've got like kind of a menu for your workout that day, I feel like that takes out a lot of the guesswork. Um, but in saying that, I will also, my, another piece of advice would be don't program hop. Like, if you're going to do something, at least give it enough time to see if it works and by works I mean you know you need to give it four weeks to actually let it kick in. So we're going to kind of switch gears you did mention social media in there you have a bit of a following on social media um did you ever think that social media would be a big part of your life as it is now? No 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 absolutely not like it wasn't like I set out being like I'm gonna get lots of followers um but I think I can't remember exactly when it happened, but at some point I realized like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm appealing to people that aren't just like in my immediate circle, you know, I guess like, you know, I still know what it's like, obviously, because social media for most people is just like a place where the people that know them interact with them, you know, and like, I would say like most interactions that are happening on a personal social media page are with people, you know, or that you have some connection to in daily life. And that's what mine was too. Like I just used to put up absolute rubbish and um, oh, not that other people put up. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> I, would, I would like take a picture of like a bowl and be like bowl from Kenya, you know, and like, <laughs> like, and like my mom and like my three friends would be like, good Beck, nice work, you know? But then like, I think I put up like uh, something to do with the gym and obviously I was dating Nick at the time and I just remember like all these people commenting on it and it was like what is going on and then like I put up something else and I think it was during the time on Instagram where like it was super easy to make something go viral like you could just yeah. like use a hack like you get like a thousand likes and um yeah that happened and I remember there being some posts I can't remember what where it was like I woke up overnight and I got like 2,000 followers and I was like, whoa. And then I whoa. Think <laughs> and like, you know, it was like a random like personal page that I had. And then and then Nick started helping me with my nutrition. And um Nick's my partner and he has he has heaps of followers. And he had quite a few at the time as well. And um yeah, he started helping me with my nutrition and my body changed quite drastically. And I remember him putting up a before and after photo of me. Like and I, I'd gone from eating you know like I was a big carb avoider and I was I don't know I just had all these weird food rules and he introduced me to flexible dieting and I was eating quite a lot of calories and basically my body composition had changed a lot and I looked a lot leaner in the second photo eating more food tra tracking my calories basically and like the calories were, were high but I was probably eating more food accidentally before um and then yeah, I remember getting like a heap of followers from that and maybe like, I don't know, like 500 comments on a photo. And I was like, Ooh. And then I think from there, I was just like, oh, maybe there's something in this. Like maybe people actually care what I have to say. So I think I started, I don't think, I know, I started getting a bit more um, thoughtful about what I was putting out and what I was writing. And um, to be honest, when I go back on those posts now, I want to take them down. Like when I read them, <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, you know that, you know, the feeling you get when Facebook's like, 
have a look at this status you put up 10 years ago. Oh my God, yes, every time. <laughs> like song lyrics that you shared and like, oh, like I'm gonna go on a, off on a bit of a tangent, but 10 years ago I was 18 and I had a crush on a boy and it was like such unrequited love, I can't even tell you. Like I was obsessed with him thinking I was being really low key about it and he, he wanted nothing to do with me. Like he was not interested in the slightest. And I would like, I'm such a stalker, but I would like find out what his favorite music was. And I'd like share the lyrics of that song on my status just to see if he would like buy it and like it. Oh and God. He liked it. He's in love with me, but he was not in love with me. Like, anyway, that happened once. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like that feeling of like, oh my God, why am I like this? That happens to me when I look back on my old Instagram posts. Like the reason I hold on to it now is A, because I've worked on it for a while and I would hate to just like be like, oh, I'm out, you know, like six yeah. or five years of like content creation. Um, but also it's a great way for me to connect with new people and clients and, you know, share good information that eventually I hope leads to people wanting to work with me. It's still partly ego because you can't, I think as human beings, you can't get past that like innate desire for attention. But for the most part, it's <laughs> for the most part, it's for my business. Actually, I remember when I found you on social media, it was, I think you have more than one, but it was one of those videos that you post when what gets likes on Instagram versus what doesn't get likes on Instagram. Yeah. And I remember seeing it being like, what the hell am I watching right now? And then I remember just going through your feed and pissing myself laughing at some of your posts because oh, some of them are gold. I love them. But on social media, you do have the no BS approach, which I love. You show the reality of many Instagram posts that may pop up on our feed. Why is this important to you? For many reasons, and I'll be first to say sometimes I probably miss the mark. And, you know, like, I've just told you how, like, sad gym fail posts used to make me. And I think potentially, you know, like, I, I really like now just pulling apart shit fitness content um, because I think about me, and I really do think about this, like, I think about the person that I was when I first started like getting into training and and I would say that in a big part training really changed who I am as a person but also um like really helped me through some dark dark stuff which I'm sure we all have experienced in some way but I just think about like 21 year old me looking at and it was just always the same kind of fitspo it was like light weights high reps build toned sculpted bodies and like don't you dare lift anything heavy because you'll look like a bloke and like you know just like I just wish somebody back then had been like just lunge you know like just do a lunge stop doing a weird little hoppy jump thing at the top <laughs> like you don't need to pulse it's fine if you want to but you don't have to you know like in my mind I was like if I don't superset every exercise I do with glutes with a band around my knees, I'm basically going to die, you know? I'm like, not going to get the booty. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's not so much. I think, like, a lot of people think I'm a massive killjoy because I'll be like, this exercise is essentially doing nothing. 
And I'll try and break it down and talk about it like biomechanically as to why that exercise potentially isn't as optimal as something else. Um, but it's also just because, you know, I had all these ideas that a lot of the same fitspos gave me when I knew nothing. And I never remember seeing anybody say like, instead of doing this weird banded pulsing lunge where you have to like clap below your knees and then like, go <laughs> to, you know, the ones like, you yeah, go straight what and then into like I don't know like and everything had to be banded nobody was out there being like or you could just do this extremely simple exercise that doesn't look as cool but actually is probably better for you <laughs> and then like, roll your ankle you know so yeah that's part of it and then also I think it's important that like the fitness industry or at least people within it consistently challenge the fitness industry's ties to the diet industry and the fitness industry's ties to the porn industry. Um, and I say the porn industry because it's, it's not a bad thing, but we do need to check ourselves every now and then and make sure that we're selling things that are authentic and we're not selling things because we need to take an upshot of our gooch. Um, to sell a program, you know, and like the upshot of the Gooch is fine. It's completely fine. I'm so for it. I'm, I'm for the porn industry. I'm for sex workers. I'm for all of this. I just don't think that it always has to happen in terms of like selling a program. I actually think what's sexy is like just honest, engaged, educated, research backed, fitness content it's really refreshing on social media though because you do see as you said these girls who honestly have no idea what they're doing I remember I saw this one video and she was holding the plate on her neck while doing a squat and I this is back when I was getting into fitness as well and I saw it and I was like oh yeah that's what I have to do and I remember trying it and my fitness trainer at the time came up to me and he was like what are you doing like, yeah. why are you holding it on your neck? And yeah, definitely do not believe everything that you see on social media. There are such simpler ways to perform an exercise. Oh my God, I know. Like, oh, yeah, anyway, I've been there. <laughs> um, so how can the <laughs> listeners know if something on Instagram is BS in the health and fitness industry? Oh, tough one. I mean, there's like, I think you just need to have a good bullshit meter. Um, I think that there are a lot of great people on social media now who pull apart scientific data and make it more uh, digestible for, you know, you and I, but also for people who aren't even as educated as you and I. Uh, and I think they're great people to look to because even though, even though we don't need hard you know research for some things within the fitness industry and some things can be anecdotal i think when it comes to nutrition um you know nutrition in particular is something that can really affect health in the long term and i think that anybody who's making big claims need to be able to back up what they're saying with some kind of research um if not research then something anecdotal um but you know in terms of exercises and, and programming, 
there isn't a lot of hard research on programming. There's not a lot of money in it. So as long as it's not going to injure you and it's not, it's not too absolute. I also think people that work in absolutes when it comes to um, programming, that can be a, a problem. And what I mean by that is you should never squat below 90 degrees because you will blow out your patella tendon. I think that's an absolute. I think for most people, it is always, this works as long as you can get there without pain. Um, so yeah, it's difficult. You just need to be able to over time have that bullshit meter get better because you go, oh, this person's talking about boosting immunity. Okay, what's wrong with that? Like, can immunity be boosted? No, it absolutely can't. Like, you can support immunity, but can we boost it by eating raw ginger? M more than likely not, you know? And, and how do I know that? Well, <laughs> I've, I've learned that over time, but also there's, there's probably a lot of data to look at into if we wanted to to say that ginger is probably not causative of me avoiding a cold or a flu, but there might be some correlative data that might support that. Um, and yeah, it's also difficult because I want to say, let's look towards people who are qualified, but I don't think that's actually true anymore. So much, not so much. I mean, like, don't take medical advice from somebody who isn't qualified to give you medical advice and also don't <laughs> follow a nutrition plan from somebody who's not qualified to write you a nutrition plan. But there's also a lot of very smart wealth research people who aren't necessarily doctors or nutritionists who also have a lot of good stuff to say. So um, I might've just made that more complicated for people listening, but <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of people on social media who might make claims and i think that those who are worth listening to will answer you if you question them about those claims so if they say something and you say could you please explain to me why it is this way that they'll actually be able to answer that um they'll be open to answering it and they won't become defensive so that's that's a pretty good way of measuring whether that person's worth listening to yes 100 percent. it's it's crazy though because there are also so many pts out there who are qualified but yeah. don't know how to do a squat properly for example and i think it's important to do your own research as well regarding like exercises and stuff like try and find someone that you really trust on social media and yeah. like just try and find an educational video about a squat for example and see if it links up because there yeah. are pts out there who have no idea what they're talking about they've just you know eased their way through their cert three and four and just hold a certificate all right so enough about all of that at the end of last year you held an event called we move with some other influencers could you go into that a little bit deeper and let the listeners know what it's about yeah yeah sure so we move was so brilliant um, it's unfortunate that we're not doing it right now because we did have big plans to kind of go worldwide, but COVID isn't helping that. <laughs> um, so it was, it is, not was, uh, Sohi Lee and Katie Crew and Shona Virtue and myself. And basically what happened was that Sohi sent the three of us a video message beginning of 2019. And basically what she said was, I have never seen a seminar of all women. I've never seen a seminar of women who aren't doing a meetup 
nothing against Meetup, but look, she'd never really been to a seminar where it was only females. And if it was all girls, they kind of did like a meetup, maybe a group workout, but it was never like informational presentation style seminar. Um, and so he said that she was really passionate about making that happen. And the people that she thought of were us three. And then she basically said like, I don't know where this could go, but I'd really love to run a seminar with you guys. Let me know if you're open to it. And obviously all three of us responded saying that sounded amazing because I knew I, I'd never met Sohi at the time, but we'd, we'd done a lot of time talking and also she'd coached me. She'd been my nutrition coach um, for a long time and Shona and I knew each other personally. And then Katie obviously lived in Toronto in Canada, but I had known her just from social media and yeah. So we all responded saying we'd love to do it. And then we got on a group call and talked about it and, we decided that the first seminar was going to be in Toronto in Canada, which is like just so surreal at the time. Cause yeah, like to think that I was going to present beside the three of them was surreal in itself, but then also to travel to Canada to do it was pretty crazy in my mind. Um, so we did that in July last year and it went really well. Um, we had like 35, 40 attendees at a gym in Toronto and we ran it it's really good and then um yeah we all had our own topics so we all kind of have our own strengths and we ran not only did we run the theory portion but we also did like a big practical portion which was the best and then after that went so well we decided we'd do it in Sydney and then we sold out Sydney in like three days I think the practical wow. and yeah, we ended up with like 65 to 70 people at that. Um, not just women, like predominantly women, but we also had like quite a lot of men there. And yeah, that was run at Paragon, our gym, on the practical day. And we had like a big seminar space on the first day. And yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Like it was pretty amazing to be able to present like that. I definitely realized how much I love presenting. It's something that I want to do. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like it was a really, like, it's a big call for Sohi, but it's, like, the best idea she's ever had, probably, like, in my opinion. And um, the four of us just, like, like I said, we have, like, a lot of different strengths. And Sohi's obviously done a lot of research, and she's really big into behavior change and nutrition. So she presented on that. I obviously love strength training and programming and uh, programming for the compound lifts. Katie is like an absolute whiz when it comes to programming techniques and like ideas around overload and volume and stuff like that. And Shona is all about movement, flexibility, yoga, integrating yoga into other areas of fitness. And she also did a lot of stuff on like meditation and parasympathetic nervous system. Um, so, you know, in a way, like, although we all talked about something quite different, it all came together really nicely. And yeah, hopefully we can do more in the future, but we're all just in such weird places at the moment. And Katie's obviously pregnant at the moment too. So not sure when we're going to reunite the band, but hopefully we can do that soon. Well, I hope it happens soon because I remember seeing it coming to Sydney and I was like, oh my God, I need to go. And I can't remember why I couldn't go. I had something on. So please have another one. Um. <laughs> Love to do Brisbane or Melbourne. That was originally the plan. We thought yeah. we'd do Melbourne. 
Um, but yeah, because of COVID, obviously nobody can travel and it's Katie's, I think in almost into her second trimester and then Shona and I are in Sydney, like we're ready to go, but <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> it might have to be 2021. Okay. I guess I can wait. Um, <laughs> no, but that's very exciting. I hope you guys do bring out another one like it because yes, that really did catch my eye and oh, I really want to go. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so on the topic of that kind of stuff, do you have any exciting things coming up or little projects that you're working on? Um, yeah, well, before all this COVID stuff, I was going to run my first seminar at Paragon. Like it was going to be mostly practical and that was meant to be on May 3rd, but that's been pushed back to the end of the year, but that was still be really good. And it's the first time I'm presenting by myself. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's like cool. And it's definitely, I definitely feel ready, but it's also like, I feel like once you start running your own seminars, it's like, you got nothing, no one backing you up. Like at we move, it was like, I got all my girls here, you know, like you got this fake confidence cause they're all standing behind <laughs> me up there. And you know, like there's, <laughs> laugh at my jokes it's going to be a really hard day but uh yes yeah, so I've got that and then uh I'm releasing a few programs next week that everyone can do at home because I like I said I've like my upgrade is basically feeling like training at home doesn't need to be a major barrier to not only maintaining what you have but improving strength and improving volume capacity and just becoming a bigger boss um so I'm gonna put those out there to the world and make them really affordable because I feel like not many people are in a position where they can like drop a few hundred on a <laughs> program at the moment. So I'm going to make that around like $30 so that everyone has access to it. Um, and then I'm getting married outside of working. Um, yeah. We had to push our wedding back. Oh so, no. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. It's actually really not a bad thing at all. Not the way I see it anyway, because I feel like the lead up to the wedding and the anticipation of the wedding is so good. Yeah. And so now I just get more months to do that. It's like not over, you know? So, yeah, you get to enjoy it a little bit more before the big day. Yeah. yeah. And it almost like once it got pushed back, it was like, whoa, we were actually taking for granted this cool period of time. Um, so where can the listeners find your at-home workouts? Oh, okay, so they will launch next Monday. So what's the date today? The 23rd? 22nd. 22nd. <laughs> um, they'll launch on the 27th and you can find that on my Instagram. So Beck Chambers Fit is my handle. And um, yeah, the link will be in my bio. So it'd be pretty easy to access. 30 seven dollars for your program for eight weeks plus awesome. videos and stuff like that i feel like it's the right thing to do at the moment so yes Ooh, i'm excited to see it and do you have any other social media platforms that they can follow you on oh not good ones <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you so much for being on the show today beck it's been lovely to have you and i'm sure the listeners have learned so much from you so thank you so much hope so thank you all right see you later Bye.